hate you both. I've hated you ever since I can remember. I hate you, and I wish you both had cancer. Cancer? Yes, in the head. <gasps> I'm as bad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Pay no attention to that man behind the curtain. Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean? This is the Stupid Answer Show. Uh-oh. Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. <laughs> Don't worry, I got an idea. And now, the host of the Stupid Cancer Show, Matthew Sack. Not that there's anything wrong with him. Because he has a lot of chit spot. <laughs> All right. Hello and welcome to episode 357, the season 16 broadcast finale of the Stupid Cancer Show. I'm your host, Matthew Zachary, a proud 19-year young adult cancer survivor broadcasting right now from the Chemo Deck, our fabulous studio in downtown Manhattan. The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest support network for young adults affected by cancer online at stupidcancer.org. I'm Kenny Kane, co-founder of Stupid Cancer, welcoming all of our first-time and returning listeners Never miss an episode by signing up for our newsletter and subscribing to the free podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, and Blog Talk Radio. It's not okay that 72,000 young adults are diagnosed with cancer each and every year. So, got cancer under 40 sucks, huh? Time to get busy living, folks, because the stupid cancer show is changing the world one chemo infusion at a time. All right, season 16 broadcast finale. We're focusing on music, the arts, the healing power of music, and how the art of survivorship is how you choose to get busy living. We'll be speaking with my good friend Angel Ray, vocalist, lyricist, performer, young adult brain cancer survivor, uh, about the healing power of music. He's going to be singing a live song here uh, on this uh, the podcast. And a survivor spotlight on uh, Dance for Healing founder Amy Lee. Going to be a really, really great end to a fabulous season. And with that, a hello and welcome to our our show. Our, the usual suspects, Mr. Kenny Kane. Hello. Back from the road. Yes, You've back been again from ba- the road. Back again from the road. You keep going away. I know, I keep finding road trips to take. W- what's up with that? Uh, you smell. <laughs> That's always the problem. Yes. Exactly. And uh, wait, I'm going to get the mic this time. Sean Shapiro. Uh, nope. Off time. Again. Just kidding. I'm close. <laughs> so close. What's up? How you How doing? How you doing? What's going on? Not much, man. Just uh, just fundraising away. That's what you're paid to do. That's what I am paid to do. Yes. So what's and you had a meeting here in the office tonight with a bunch of uh, yeah, we have people? A, yeah, yeah, we have a great group of people uh, here in New York City planning a fundraising event here in October. And how much are you paying them to be your friend? None, just you know, give them some kisses and some okay, hugs and good. I, yeah. I just, you know, because I talk to your your parents a lot and they they oh. make sure that you have friends. Okay, the beard helps. The beard does help. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and hello, Mallory, as she swivels the mic, <laughs> unprepared. Hi, how are you? I'm just dandy. You had a rough weekend. 
Uh, I had the antithesis of a rough weekend. I had a fabulous weekend. Actually. Oh, that's even better than yeah. a rough weekend. Yes, it was. It was quite fabulous. How's the dog? Uh, she's great. How were her mom? Did you said we were going to like a fashion shoot or something this weekend. Well, so this morning Jesse was picked up by my brother to be filmed for B-roll for uh, reality television. So. <laughs> she had a very glamorous day. Uh, my brother sent me pictures all day of her on set um, doing silly things like walking through a park, playing with the toy, eating ice cream. It's just what what more can a dog dream of? <laughs> it's like Jesse Rivera, B-roll star of the canine world. Exactly. I, my goal is to make Jesse famous. So her Instagram <laughs> is pending. It's, ah, in pro- yes. it's in progress. So it will happen. Good for you. Yeah. Good for the dog, too. Making the dog famous one day at a time. And we have a very special in studio guest, our, the one and only Thea Linscott from our board of directors, uh, celebrating her uh, 16th and a half anniversary, cancer free. Hi there. Thank well, you. Welcome back to the show. Thank you. It's awesome to be here. It's a great energy in here, and I'm super excited to hear about everyone working in the music and art space. And this is the show right near and dear to my heart, of course. I mean, mo- most people know my story. I was a, was a concert pianist, and then I wasn't a concert pianist thanks to cancer, and now I'm a concert pianist again 20-some-odd uh, years later, uh, as evidenced somehow by that video that everyone keeps watching from... CancerCon this April. And if you have not seen the CancerCon video, which Matt plays the music to, everyone needs to log in. Excuse me. And see that immediately. CancerCon.org. That's right. And I already saved the dates for uh, for next year's 2016 in Denver. And uh, our special guest live in studio, Angel Ray. Welcome, sir. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. No, we're going to get to you. You're, you got the whole second half of the show all just for you, my friend. Awesome. But it's going to be really Love cool. It. And, uh, you know, we, we met through the auspices of both having brain cancer when we were both musicians. and That we did. And We uh, also were uh, went to the same alma mater. Binghamton. Binghamton University. What, what? Well, don't <laughs> make cats. The thing is, you can't mention Binghamton in front of Kenny. He dropped that after like three weeks. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> one semester, fall of us six. Okay. Uh, well, you know, my, Alyssa went there, my sister. Yeah, I know. And I went to visit her so graduation cool. weekend. I was like, oh, I could go away to school. <laughs> so you know, of course, we were going to create a pseudo family legacy. And I was like, yeah, I'll just go to Binghamton. And I got there, and I was like, oh, why did I do this? <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting the day one. I got my my car towed from CIW to the event center. Of course, yeah. you did. Yeah. yeah. That was a good time. That's quality I was the, stuff. I was part of the first uh, staff at Event Center, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. What What years were you there? Uh, so I was graduated '05. I worked there '04, '05. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Yep. It was fun. I got to see all the games, concerts. That there was a. Uh, uh, Green Day was performing that year. I remember. Okay. Yeah. I saw a brand new in Dashboard Confessional. Ah, okay. that was a great show. Well, the thing is, the school know. did manage to bring some big talent. It they was like, in the elbow of New York. There's nothing else to we do had, except the talent. We had Harry show. Connick Jr. do a show. Yeah, <laughs> that was a big I didn't deal. Know. No, I think Tony Bennett came the year that I was there at the performing year. Oh, really? It was really cool. Bella Fleck debuted their first CD there. Um, uh, um, ah, never mind. Brain twenty years ago, not possibly. Anyway, uh, so Kenny, you are back from Warp Tour. I am, and you are beaten man. Yeah, it was, uh, as it was last year, it's an exhausting couple of weeks. I admire anyone who does the whole tour, which is like 48 stops over 52 days, 
uh, from July until the end of August. Uh, I have several friends at this point who do the whole tour, and I don't know how they do it. Uh, <laughs> and Thay, you joined Kenny on one of the stops, right? Yes, and two, actually. Two. I was with Kenny in New York and in Connecticut, and I can do a test to it being a dirty, grimy extravaganza. Yeah, and no two days are the same. You never know where you're going to be placed. You don't know if there's going to be traffic going up a mountain with two cars on fire that prohibits you from actually getting to the event after driving for three hours. That there. small thing, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But the best part is every single young adult coming up to you wanting to know more about stupid cancer. What are you doing? Why are you there? And there's a overall presence. And people know Kenny, which is cool. I saw you last year. I yeah, it was, it was weird how many really? people came up to us and were like, welcome they love back. Ken really? Kane. That's, love. It's amazing. Yeah. Some woman tried to... Uh, how could you not? I mean, <laughs> come on now. Well, he's, he is forgettable if you know him long enough. Oh. The ginger beard. <laughs> the, uh, no, some woman tried to find me for 45 minutes, apparently, and then dropped 40 bucks in the oh, donation wow. jar. Awesome. The youth of America is very generous and very caring. So, so what was, the, was there any big difference between this year and last year besides people knew who you were? Uh, I guess the bands are slightly different, but I don't really pay attention to that. Oh, okay. It's not, not really my <laughs> well, the thing scene. Is, so here's my here's when I knew I knew when Kenny got old um, when he came back from Warp Tour and he ma- made some kind of mention that he didn't know half the bands or more than the bands. So I was like, "Welcome to my world," because I don't know his bands. Exactly. I think my friend's band played uh, this this year's Van Warp Van's Warp Tour. Yeah, he, had, he loved it. He had such a good time. Yeah, from what I understand, they've obviously evolved the the thing. I think this is uh, next year is the 20th anniversary, and now they have comedy. They have an acoustic tent for you know local bands, local band stage, yeah. uh, and then they have the big headliners, which I don't like. I said, not really know any of them. A lot oh. of glam rock. A lot of guys I'm with sure. 80s haircuts yeah, that- and face paint and. All sorts of crazy stuff. We oh, were yeah. counting how many hair colors we saw in a single day, so yeah. that was awesome. The, 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 the vendors, <laughs> the vendors are always good, though. What's the age? It's like thirteen to nineteen. Uh, or I, th- I think it's more like fifteen to thirty-five. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Trending, trending much closer to, cl- trending much closer to fifteen, sixteen, seventeen. Wow. Oh, yeah. And there are a lot of parents coming out with their kids, so that's cool to see they people sharing music. Free. No, but I, I like that this is kind of Thay's wheelhouse. It's the world, the young world outside the young cancer world. That mm-hmm. what do they think about us? What? Yeah, I mean, yeah. it really goes back to how important the message is and educating people because one day they may need us. So right. there was a lot of kids that said, "I have a classmate or an aunt or an uncle or fill in the blank of someone that they knew," and they took pamphlets, and it was just really exciting to see people brand recognize as well as the mission. Very nice. Well, all right, we're off to a good show. Season 16, broadcast finale. Amazing. Impressive. Uh, what is it? Episode 350. I can't even say. 357. 357 uh, episodes. All right, well, let, let's kick off the show. In the spotlight on this uh, broadcast, we're going to be welcoming Amy Lee, the founder of Dance for Healing, a telehealth for music and dance startup inspired by her own fight against stage four cancer. We're going to learn more about that and what she's doing to get busy living with her life. Please welcome to the Stupid Cancer Show, the one and only Amy Lee. Hello, Amy. Hi. Where are you calling in from? Uh, California. California. I understand that, that you actually have been getting water now. There's been, we were, would you, all of our West Coast people, we dial in with it, we make fun of the drought, but now there's water, right? For a little bit. This week is kind of hot, though. Okay. Well, I take it all back. 
and there's no water, and good luck with that. Okay. <laughs> so, um, I had the pl- privilege of uh, meeting you in person. Uh, you were on, uh, dropped into a show recently, but we didn't really right. get into the nitty-gritty of, of your story and what you're doing right now, and, and the, the theme of this season 16 finale is all about the arts and the healing power of music and how people choose to use creativity and expression to define themselves and figure out what their next steps are, and especially in your case, to give back. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your uh, your cancer diagnosis, where were you in the time, uh, what were you trying to do, how did this interrupt everything, and, you know, that's a very open-ended question, of course, but let's get started. Yeah, so, um, I mean, it's almost like movies, <laughs> but it happened in real life, in my story. Um, so I was actually offered a full scholarship to attend um, a social entrepreneurship program in NASA. Uh, it's called Singularity University, um, and it's known for inspiring uh, innovative uh, leaders to use technology to address global challenges. So here I was, and you know, was wow, like now I can change the world, you know, with all these you know cool people from 36 countries and all these experts in technology and all these. You know, people they flew in from UN to tell us what the problems faced in all of the world, and then I was very sick, um, and I I didn't realize that I had cancer at the time because I had a wrong diagnosis before that, um, and but I knew I was, you know, I was really stressed. I knew I was sick. I just didn't realize that I had cancer, um, and then uh, for a period of time, I was actually in fact trying to hide the fact that I had cancer and I was kind of kicking myself that I couldn't go play soccer with my classmates. You know, I had to like constantly sitting on the left side of their classroom where I could actually see the slides because I have double vision on my left side. Um, And, you know, I'm always a very, you know, outspoken person in, you know, all my classes. Um, But I couldn't because, you know, I, uh, the medicine that was prescribed for the wrong diagnosis actually completely destroyed my sleep at night. So I was barely able to kind of keep my attention. And, and it's a boot camp and in NASA. You know, you're talking about, you know, uh, the hours daily is like, I don't know, anywhere from 13 to 15 hours. Because, uh, you know, after the 8-hour, 10-hour classes and people were working in the labs and hacking and stuff. Amy, what did and, they actually think that you had? What was your misdiagnosis? Uh, I was diagnosed with my female gravis. Uh, when I was in LA, um, and uh, I guess the symptom, uh, because I had double vision, and also um, my eyelid was uh, drooping on the left side, and it could be um, a same symptom for uh, my stinger gravis. However, if you have a tumor, uh, press the same nerves, you know, you're going to have similar presentations. So what got you over that hurdle to finally get diagnosed correctly? Uh, my mom literally say coming up to study in NASA saved my life, uh, you know, because it pushed me to change my doctors and, you know, the new doctor. And then also there's a, a period of time, uh, about a month in between, uh, you know, where I was, you know, leaving my regular job. I was in Cobra waiting for the insurance to kick in and then, you know, change doctors. And then there, um, by the time when I see a neurologist in the Bay Area, I, my left ear was you know, pretty much lost healing. And so the neurologist was like, oh, we need to send you to another brain MRI scan. And I was like, oh, I did one in, you know, and oh, hey, it was fine. And they're like, no, you have new symptoms, we had to do another one. 
And then he also sent me to the ENT doctor, which I previously actually requested, but I wasn't guaranteed in L.A. And that ENT doctor pretty much saved my life on the first visit told me that I had cancer. What was the actual diagnosis? Was it a, a, a brain tumor or a spinal tumor? Uh, so I have nasopharyngeal cancer. Okay. Um, and uh, the tumor grew to uh, the back of my nose, you know, uh, invaded a um, bunch of nerves. It's, it's you know, um, kind of like grow to the area where all the cranial nerves started. Right. To impact the multiple nerves, yeah. So... All right, so Singularity University is no small thing to just, like, toss under the table. You have to be really, really on your game to get into that. And, you know, you 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 know, you know, understand user experience. Are you a coder? You've been coding since you're, like, four years old? Um, actually, I'm, I was more a human-centered designer. Um, so, I mean, I used to code, but, you know, I <laughs> the last couple of years, before cancer, I was a UX director, so it's mostly working on user strategies. Um, so I would say I'm an expert in UX and design and branding. Um, and one of my apps was actually, this is back in 2009, when when iPhone app was, wasn't even a thing, just they already started. And one of my apps, actually first iPhone app, was featured in New York Times as App of the Week. Yeah. So that was probably one of the things got me into this highly competitive program. Right. Uh, yeah. So being from that space, understanding user experience, you must have gone haywire with how completely convoluted and backwards thinking the healthcare system is. Right, exactly. Yeah, so um, I think a couple of things kind of really, uh, you know, inspired me to do what I'm doing right now. So initially when I was in NASA, you know, you're talking about NASA, so I was very nerdy, you know, I was like, how do I solve stress problem? And they were thinking like, oh, you know, um, if you, when people are stressed, they know they're stressed, but they just don't know how to stop. And then if you detect somebody's stress, then you can't tell them they're stressed. They're going to be even more stressed. So we were thinking to use like, you know, biosensors to like detect stress and then you're not able to like, you know, monitor somebody's stress level constantly and kind of feed that data to the environment. And then, you know. Uh, but then, you know, since you can't tell them, but what if you, you know, adjust the lighting, what if you change the music, you know, so then you have a way to kind of help them manage their stress. So that was the initial idea. And I ended up adding their dance component um, a year later. Uh, so my final presentation in NASA was the day after my first AL chemo and radiation. Um, and the school was really supportive. Um, they actually taped our presentation on Tuesday, so that you know ensure I have a backup plan if I couldn't make up to the stage. Right. And I, I actually did make up to the stage with their, <laughs> you know, their confidence there is a backup plan, and then taking some anti-nausea medication because I don't want to throw up on the stage. Right. <laughs> I know. And then uh, we uh, won a standing ovation, um, and. However, you know, I I have to put that project on hold and, you know, going through eight months of treatment. So during that period of time, I couldn't really build a company, obviously. But right. I did a lot of uh, reading and research um, on stress, on music, on creative art therapy. Um, and then uh, a couple of months after I finished the treatment, I was at Stanford for this Design for Dance conference. Right. And then everything just sort of crept like, oh, my God, like I could – you know, dance, you know, combination of dance is actually more powerful than just music. 
and also thinking like, oh, you know, what if I at the end? And there's a little bit of sort of serendipity story where that evening when I was, you know, kind of talking to myself, walking back and forth in my house, and then I got a um, a text from um, uh, one of my ex coworkers at Yahoo who knew that I had cancer, and he's like, something to inspire you. And guess what that is? <laughs> I mean, the title literally, it was a TED Talk, and the title literally is Fighting Cancer with Dance. Right. Yeah, so just this incredible moment, like, you know, serendipity moment. I was, like, crying. I couldn't believe it. Had I you done, had you been yeah. a dancer? Had you done any dancing prior to, or was this just, like, a hidden passion that came out of you because of this? No, I was always uh, a dancer uh, in the sense that I, I, I did dance since I was a kid. Um, but you're talking about a kid grew up in China, which, you know, my dad is an engineer and my mom's a teacher, so... They really high, highly value uh, more like engineering and science, you know. Um, so I always draw, always, uh, you know, sing and dance when I was a kid. Um, but it, it never really, you know, occurred to me that this could be a career and this could be something that I would pursue. It never occurred to me. Um, I did one uh, public speech contest, uh, a countywide speech contest when I was 12. And then so after that, I was putting on stage a lot. So... You know, they would tell me, you know, to sing or tell a joke or recite a poem or, you know, whatever it is, right? Like, you know, a 12-year-old can do, right? <laughs> you know, like, you know, and I was near sighted, so I couldn't see beyond the stage. So I would just, you know, kind of fearless 12-year-old, I would just go on the stage and do whatever the adult asked me to do. Um, so I think that has always been in me. It's just that, you know, it never really, you know, like, something that I will ever imagine that I'll be actually doing. Yeah, in fact, like, it was funny because my parents, uh, they're very, you know, uh, focused on education, so they bought me a lot of books. And a lot of these books are, like, you know, uh, worldwide, you know, literatures and travel journals. So I was, like, I was really, really, like, you know, fantasized about being a gypsy, you know, when I was a kid. Like, oh, yeah, you can sing and dance and travel around the world. You know, so that was, like, my little dream when I was a kid, you know, I didn't know Gypsy didn't really have a good reputation and then I went to Italy. But, you know, you're talking about a little Chinese girl, you know, well, <laughs> I mean, in China. I'm looking at your bio. I mean, even long, yeah. like you were describing this, again, like, these are things that are, are you know, they, they kind of make up who you were before mm-hmm. this even happened to you. You know, just something, oh, here's just something to brush off. You climb Mount Whitney, like that, yeah. oh, just that. Okay, I just climbed Mount Whitney one day. You've run marathons like this type of attitude that you just had. um, I mean, it it obviously came in handy. Not that, you know, it's kind of a weird way to put it that way when you're facing a life altering experience. But I can't help but think that, you know, math and 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 um, uh, climbing, you're very disciplined in that sense. How how did you um, how were you able to sort of bring all of that together for yourself if you're a dancer if you're a mountain climber you run marathons you're you're into you know user design and experience it's that's very there's a very unique individual skills to have how did that help you root yourself in getting through this were you on your own your parents are still in in china Oh, no. Actually, my parents uh, moved to the U.S. Uh, after they retired. 
I have a sister in LA actually. Uh, so when I was diagnosed with stage four cancer, my mom came up to take care of me. Uh, you know, the the whole uh, journey when I was going through cancer. Um, and I think one thing that really helped is probably I have always grown up to be a sort of very happy kid, you know, just very optimistic, you know. <laughs> so um, I think that attitude, you know, kind of carried through uh, during my cancer journey. And then I actually wrote an article um, after my uh, South by Southwest talk uh, early this year, uh, Women Needing Changes in Digital Health. And then I mentioned kind of that similar experience that when you're going through cancer, the experience is very much similar to running a marathon uh, or climbing Mount Winnie. Because a huge part is, you know, if anyone run a marathon, you all know after 20 miles, you pretty much run with your brain. Like, you know, right. your leg is out. You know, it's it's all in your head, right? Uh, and the same thing with Mount Winnie, especially with the health altitude, you know, like after a certain altitude, you kind of go into this robotic mode. You just, you know, keep walking and hopefully you won't, you won't fall off the mountain. Um, so in cancer, it's very similar, you know, and I'm sure Matt, you've gone through this, you know, there, there's a period of time, you just like live one day in the time, you wake up, you know, and you're like, okay, I'm still alive. And then you go to the treatment and you go right. through the day and you come back, okay, okay, next day. And, you know, you just put everything aside. No, yeah. I, and we, many, we all, I mean, those of us listening that have been through it, we, we know it, we've been there every single day. You wake up and like, oh my God, I woke up. Let's try to just get through today and wake up tomorrow. I wa- let me take the next five minutes. We're going to wrap up the uh, the segment here. Let's talk about Dance for Healing, which is how we met first and foremost yeah. through that. And I'm reading on the website, Dance for Healing creates an ecosystem to support dance for health benefits by connecting dance teachers and students, allowing them to interact in various ways. And this combines so many different elements of who you've described yourself to be. Things like, you know, just personal expression, getting yourself through a challenge, making sense of the madness, but also gamification, social encouragement, behavior design, social sharing. This seems to be such a coalescence of everything you stand for. Yeah. So one thing I would say, uh, my background in human centered design really helps um, is that I always, in my entire career, is always problem solving and focus on, you know, um, focus on starting with user research, you know, focus on what problem I'm trying to solve for the users, what are their needs, right? And then also, uh, particularly, I'm, I'm very excited about what kind of change dance healing can make. Um, uh, there are research papers that shows that dancing frequently reduces dementia by 76%. Uh, and this was published in 2003, uh, a 21-year study uh, in New England Journal of Medicine. And there's another study published in 2013 shows creative hostility, improving quality of life for cancer patients by 50%, reducing pain by 59%. Especially the pain data actually increased from 54 to 59% in the follow-up visits. Um, on, on the other hand, if you look at the other side, it's like it's very, very underutilized in healthcare. Um, so what I'm trying to do is, um, having gone through the experience with cancer, and you know I had a gym membership, but I couldn't go to the gym because you know my immune system's so low. You know any bacteria would just kill me. And then, you know, uh, in perspective of like most cancer patients probably older than me, um, and you know what are they going to do when they're stuck at home? 
So what we're doing is that um, by uh, providing uh, a virtual dance platform, enable people to do it at home, uh, you know, we bring community, we bring human support. Uh, you know, we, we push telehealth into the next stage, which is, um, you know, physical rehabs. Because right now, telehealth is fully in doctor visits, right? Um, and uh, what we're doing is take it to the next step, you know, by um, bringing this very underutilized uh, recovery method uh, that already proven uh, do medical studies and then now provide it in an easier way uh, to patients able to enjoy in their house. And I also think my approach of like just go out and do it with uh, patients. Last year I started the program uh, pretty much by myself uh, and with a couple of supporters and then just, you know, sort of do uh, my cancer support groups that, you know, um, patients that I know I met through cancer support group and people started to join recruiting the teachers. And then, you know, I just decided to start to do it without funding, without, you know, anything. And then, you know, it's based on the kind of heart of, you know, people willing to help to make it easier for cancer patients. And then this year we got invited to join Stanford as part of their cancer supported care program. And then now we start talking to Stanford about, uh, you know, running an actual clinical trial on study dancing impacts for, for cancer patients. And, you know, I'm just like so um, inspired by the support we've been getting. Like we have, you know, the top music expert from Berkeley College of Music, uh, Music Therapy Department. Uh, we have the Stanford Breast Cancer Oncology Program, uh, you know, uh, director of uh, Breast Cancer Oncology Program. And then we have like a bunch of these experts from Stanford Integrative, uh, you know, Medicine, uh, director of that, director of Geriatric Education Center. So like the amount of support that I'm able to get and people are willing to support, and I'm the one who's starting that. And then if we run the study, we're able to publish the study and update some of these older research papers. And just imagine like, how many people can benefit from it, you know, because outside of cancer and dementia, there's also heart disease and diabetes and chronic pain, you know, all these, and then, you know, kids, you know, and mental health issues can all benefit from here. So, you know, imagine, like, how many people we could help, you know. Some of the data that we looked at, like, you know, uh, American Psychological Association reported 77% American suffer from physical symptoms due to stress, 73% psychological. And then, you know, if we're adding all the disease data that I just mentioned, we can impact easily, like, you know, over 50% of Americans. Amy, let me just interrupt you here because we're unfortunately yeah. out of time. But sure. I did want to once again plug the app. It, it is an app, right, not just a website? Um, it's an app. Uh, right now it's on web app uh, because, you know, for people able to dance with one of the bigger screens, uh, it's a new technology called WebRTC, and we'll embed it to a tablet platform, uh, you know, uh, in the next stage. And then eventually we, we're going to be like eHarmony for patients, able to start doing recommendation and body matching to them. Very nice. Well, the website is Dance4, the number four, dance4healing.com. Amy Lee, uh, Young Adult Survivor Stage 4 Nasopharyngeal Cancer. That's a that's a hell of a lots of syllables there. Congratulations <laughs> on everything. Uh, stay awesome, and thank you for all you do. Thank you so much. Okay, Amy Lee, everybody. All right, Kenny. And now the news. Hello, I'm Kent Brockman, and this is Eye on Cancer. Just the facts, ma'am. 
Head on over to events.stupidcancer.org. That is events.stupidcancer.org. Your one-stop shop calendar for all of our social and educational events happening nationwide. Something could be up in your neck of the woods. And we certainly don't want you missing out. Have three coming up. Rochester, New York, Kalamazoo, Michigan, and Clifton, New Jersey. That's four. That was three. Really? Yep. Still okay. three. <laughs> Rochester, Kalamazoo, and Clifton. All right. There you go. Two that's, plus two is five. That's three. What's the square root of something? Your mom. Wow. Ooh, On the air. <laughs> if you'd like to host your own meetup, go to stupidcancer.org slash meetup to learn more. Cancer's lonely. We got a cure for that. It's called Instapeer, our brand new mobile app for iOS and Android that provides instant anonymous one-to-one peer support for anyone affected by any cancer. Again, now available for download at instapeer.org or on your smartphone. Instapeer. It's what's for dinner. No, wait, that's pork. We launched a new today on Tumblr for all the articles, blogs, and stories we couldn't possibly have time to post on social media. Check out what we're eating 24-7 and don't miss a beat. Subscribe at stupidcancer.org forward slash feed. Cancer is expensive. We're proud to announce CancerMadeMeBroke.com, a national partnership with our friends at Give Forward, the number one platform to start a medical fundraiser. You didn't ask to get sick, and your community wants to help you. Visit CancerMadeMeBroke.com to learn more and start your personal fundraiser today. It's always a good time to stock up on stupid cancer gear. Check out our back-to-school stuff. Just kidding. At StupidCancerStore.org. <laughs> stupid cancer pencils and erasers now for sale. And other great stuff for school. All right. And that is your Stupid, stupid cancer, cancer News. All right. With that said. Put us out of our misery. I have no idea what's going on right now. Anyway. And now guys, the whole. Did you guys try to harmonize that? I think that. No, no it's it it's intentional it cacophony. Happen. Hey, you're not on the air yet. Quiet you. <laughs> now you can talk. The whole reason I woke up this morning was to do the final broadcast of season 16. So this gentleman here sitting in front of me, my brother from another mother, Binghamton graduate, brain tumor survivor, musician, Angel Ray, renowned vocalist, lyricist, performer, born and raised in Washington Heights in Jackson Heights, New Jersey. I am so thrilled to tell our origin story, our continuing bromance, and you're going to be singing live right here. I will be, yeah. And I have to correct you. It's uh, Jackson Heights, New York. You said New Jersey. Oh. Did I just? That was even a bigger insult, wasn't it? I guess so. Yeah. I outed you as being not a New Jerseyan. <laughs> Although wow. my sister is now, she lives out in Jersey City. What what? Okay, shout out. Well, I I, I admit that I did spend some time in Hoboken paying oh, rent. See? There you go. I, just a few years before I spent I spent a uh, uh, St. Patrick's Day in Hoboken. Oh, and you, you probably survived. paid more than I did oh, than I renting there for gosh. like five years. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I am uh, again. I'm a long time coming. To yes, have you on the show here. Absolutely. We met. So every year, I'm invited to go to, I forget the name of the group in Jersey. but uh, The JFK Neurological Institute. Something like that. That's where it's held. Yes. And then the actual. Uh, it's like the Stan Schroto group for brain tumor or something, somethings. Anyway, right, right. really great people every year. Oh, it's yeah. a nice turnout. They do a research review. And they talk about the latest in science and communications and, to, and they give awards out. And I go every year and I play a song. Just there's a piano every year and I just show up and it's a great Nancy Con Levin is, is the woman who organizes it. I've known her for, since like day one of my right. getting into advocacy. And uh, I, I came, was it like 
fall of 2013, 2013 right? 2013, yeah, yeah. And I like, my God, there's someone here that's not 80. <laughs> I know, that's right. <laughs> and you were the youngest person there, you know, because I was the second youngest person there. I saw, yeah. And was, uh, uh, I don't know, like, just something about it. Like, I got I to gotta know this kid, you know? Oh, yeah. And totally how it, it was on my end. It right. It was just like a... Def- what got you there? How do you know about that event? I knew about that place uh, through Patty. She's one of the nurses there. Mm. She's uh, She happens to be the wife of Dave. He's the drummer in the wedding band that I used to sing in. Okay. It's just like... The fact that I had that connection, because it, it had been like about four years that I've been working with Dave. He right. Goes, he found out what was happening to me. I, I had the, uh, uh, you know, they, they found something. They weren't sure yet what it was. And uh, when I was admitted, it, they were like, oh, it looks like a brain tumor. And so. Right so away, casually, right? So ca- <laughs> yeah. By How the cavalier way, are you, by the way? Uh, so and Dave, he just called me. He's like, my wife has worked with brain tumor patients. I'm like, what? That's for like 24 years. I'm very blessed. Absolutely. What were your symptoms? Well, I I just had like excruciating migraines. Yeah. Um, I was experiencing them for about a month. I was working. I remember just at the end of a work shift, I started just getting really bad headaches and uh, and then they became migraines i'm Wait, like what was your job what was your job uh I, well you know mainly was singing for weddings okay um but during the week i would then do some catering or dog walking so it wasn't like a cool thing overload right no. no okay and you know if, if i'm lifting a lot of plates or something sometimes that can yeah lot, but but for the most part no yeah and so but those things became harder for me right once i was diagnosed and uh, so it's, there was a lot of just strengthening and. Yeah. What was it? Well, they found they found it to be a germinoma cell, right? Brain tumor, and so basically I've had it since birth. You know, that's quality. As, as fetus, yeah. yeah. As fetuses, we all have tumors, but they're supposed to. Well, you germ know, go cells away. are supposed to differentiate. Yeah, and they the yeah. ones that don't like, hey, we're sticking around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. So I, for me, either way, it was just like. A completely different language. I had no idea what was going on. So, and where you were living in Washington Heights? Actually, at the time, I was uh, living in Greenpoint. Okay, you know, so I, I grew up in Washington Heights basically till I was, I was there till I was about twelve. And when right. I started uh, junior high school, I moved to Jackson Heights. Right. And so, from then on, I moved to Fresh Meadows in Queens, which was where I live now. I had right. to move back in with my mother. But at, at the time when I was diagnosed, I was living in Greenpoint, Brooklyn. So I've Right. Yeah. Uh, so wait. So did you have insurance at the time? Not at all. Oh, okay. Nothing. Uh, yeah. I, so what? Ha- how'd that work out? Would you? Well, work? there was a social worker there. He like came in and asked for a bunch of paperwork, documents, social security card. I was able to get emergency Medicaid. Okay. Um, thank goodness. Yeah. Thank goodness. Yeah. The thirty thousand dollar bill came down to one fifty. Wow. Wow, so, <laughs> that's a big wow. That's a, yeah, it, you know, it's just because for me, I the way I work, I'm a free, I do freelance. Nobody can offer me health insurance, so sure. I, I I think just my case was so they were right. like, okay, yeah, we can, and so now I have Medicaid, and that's what I, that's what I'm able to. So you had full on craniotomy. What they do to you? Uh, well. Many doctors actually at, at the beginning they were saying, "Oh, it's just a migraine. Take painkillers." And after a while, one doctor even was even like, "It's a personality disorder." <laughs> I don't like oh, that okay. was his robotussin for brain cancer, <laughs> a psychological re- overview. Yeah. So you know, at the, at, when I finally went to this one physician who 
uh, a family friend recommended. She said, well, let's do a scan because I need to see what's going on. And that same day I did the scan, she's like, you got to go to the ER right now. <laughs> like now, yeah, this minute. There's, yeah, something going on. And I, I was all of a sudden having seizures. Wow. I had about three before the ambulance got to my house, uh, to my mother's house. And so they took me to uh, one close by. I live in Fresh Meadows, Queens now. And so there's one out there. And they were like, no, you should take him somewhere else. He needs <laughs> to go to a trauma center. <laughs> like a real hospital. Yeah. Yeah. And so they called all those doctors. to. And they waited for me at the emergency exit, uh, entrance, exit, either or. And I, right then and there, they like drilled a hole and started draining liquid from my brain. And that's what, called, you know. Wow. And so was your procedure laparoscopic or did you have like open skull kind of stuff? No, I, you know, they, well, they did a, uh, but they went through like a drinking they, straw or something. Right. And well, they put in a VP shunt. Okay. So that's the most in terms of operating when, uh, came to uh, getting rid of the tumor. It was just radiation. Right. No chemo. Um, that's how advanced they've come. I had like amazing. the, the guillotine yeah. pretty much in the nineties. Yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. Yeah, those stitches, you know, there's no real scars on my neck. The stitches healed. It was serious. Like, it's wow. amazing for me to even just hear. And this is even a few years ago. It's amazing to hear how far they've truly come yeah, from the really medieval days. And I think I had a good team yeah. also. Yeah. And, and and just the timing of everything. To go to one hospital and they're like, no, you have to go to this one. I don't even know if if I was rushed to, the, to that emergency entrance, how they would have received me. Right. Wow. At least they were like... You need to be ready to go. They had the gurney. I don't even remember that part. That part. Though. Right, I just right. woke up the next day, which happened to be my thirtieth uh, birthday. So I was just like, "Okay, that's a happy birthday." Yeah, <laughs> waking up all bandaged up there. So where were you treated? Where Where were you during all this? I was treated at Elmhurst Hospital in Queens. Yeah. So again, this is the question we sort of ask everyone on the show: Was there, Was there anyone there that was your age? Did well, you see any other patients that weren't 80 or 4? I, I started out, uh, I was just by myself in, in the intensive care unit for about six days. Yeah. Seven days. And then they switched me overnight when I was. Was that the longest uh, you'd gone without like singing or performing? Yeah. yeah. Especially given uh, the past four years. Oh, definitely. I, I mean, I've, for the four and a half years, I was singing every Saturday right. at a wedding. And I'm talking. Uh, the Plaza Hotel and like Mandarin all over the city. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So, and always just having to, I didn't really have a car. I don't know how I did this. This is like, I remember one time in a tuxedo suit, I'm walking to the, to the Westbury, um, uh, like music, uh, venue. And like the bus, it left me about a mile and a half away. I had to walk through a park, through grass. There were in no, like, there was no pedestrian, like, pathways. This is like Long Island. You you know, you drive. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm just like, oh, God, I can't. This is a lot. But um, so that became difficult as well, you know, after. Was I the uh, first human you met that wasn't 80 with brain tumor or even anything? Yes. Wow. Actually, that was just my first, like, I didn't know what to expect. That was the first time I was So Patty just said cancer. you need to go to this thing? Yeah, yeah. Out of the blue? Out of the blue. Really? And the, like I said, Dave, uh, her husband, Worked with him for four years at, right. that, at that point, and he's like, yeah, 21, 24 years, just a brain tumor nurse. And I'm like, and she, so she would always uh, 
I tell her what the doctors at Elmhurst would tell me. Right. And she's like, it sounds like they're on point and they know what they're doing. That's an amazing resource. That's, oh, it, it's like invaluable. Right. I, I can't, I, I just, I don't, it, it, I'm so fortunate that it worked out that way. Because if I didn't even have her in my corner, I probably would have just. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so I owe a lot to her. And I'm surprised you weren't like shifted down to pediatrics if you this was a congenital tumor. Hmm. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. It's 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 because brain congenital brain tumors can just show up at any age, yeah. but they're considered pediatric at any age if you were born with it. Right. So that's why I was 21, but put into peds and not never, locked into adult never. brain cancer. Actually, you're right. I haven't, haven't even thought of that. Yeah. That's interesting that they didn't. Hmm. So what do you want, Temidar? What, what was your uh, chemotherapy or your, just radiation? They just radiation. Any, so yeah, no gliadella implants or anything? It melted it away. Okay. Yeah. And I, it was five days, five weeks. Wow. So Did they make like the whole headgear thing for you? Yeah, what, I yeah. had to get it uh, measured, everything. The whole mask, the whole like. Yep. yep. Yeah. Yeah. Do you wear it at weddings ever? I, you know, I, I, <laughs> I, I, Halloween I wanted them to bring year. me out like Hannibal, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like. That would have been awesome, like steel and make it. I mean, weddings are fairly boring, so they yeah. are, and they you could they need really a little, elevate, you know, some steel and fabulousness. And so, Angel actually works for the same promotion company, production company. What would you call it? Production company, right? Yeah. As my cousin slash former roommate, right? Who oh, was wow. a, who was this a bass player? Wow. Yes, and I've worked with his band many times. Yeah. So they're pretty good. You don't just sing; you write. I do. Have you been writing your whole life since I, it became a thing for you? Uh, you know, I've always, I've always uh, been so into performance. I just like I've growing up. I loved watching all kinds of. Who are your music. heroes? Who are your music heroes? Uh, first up. off, it was Winnie Houston. Okay, she literally taught me how to sing, and so I, I. You can re- tell them about the tapes. Oh, I yeah. <laughs> well, my first album, okay, with my allowance, I bought a bootleg copy of The Bodyguard cassette tape. Cassette tape. That's why you know, I love people on the show that are as old as me and no cassette tape. Exactly. And then it, it was a like the actual there was no 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 booklet in the tape. It was just like a scanned one sheet. Ah. <laughs> just enough to cover the tape. That's yeah. it. No details in it. So straight up bootleg. And so I listened to that day in, day out all the time. And so that's where I really learned how to vocalize. And Stevie Wonder's big. Mariah Carey's a big influence in terms of my songwriting, like how to write a sp- Good pop song and well, that was before Bubblegum Pop. She wrote real yes, songs. She, and she really, wrote them. I truly, real songs. I, yeah. I truly followed her growing up as well. So I remember being in a parking lot with my mom in like seventh grade or even <clears throat> earlier, and, and the Vision Love came on before mm-hmm. it was a hit. Yeah, she's like, "Here's a, a girl. You're gonna. She's gonna be famous one oh, day. Yeah. Listen to her sing and like eight octaves. And what? Are you crazy? Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have to say, of late, as of late, more so Sam Cooke, ah. Nina Simone. And um, what about Nora I mean, Jones? You, you know what? <laughs> it's funny. Uh, don't know why. Yeah. It always makes me fall asleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I was. It don't just, tell Nora. It just no. It just <laughs> soothes me though. It's just more like oh. Uh, and, and I said that to my friend out loud. She just played it. We were driving. We were touring with the '80s acapella group I used to sing with in college. Uh, from Binghamton. Was that the Rhythm Method? The Rhythm Method. Oh, uh, yes. yeah. The Rhythm Method. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I was there. They they were founded the year I started freshman year in 92. Yes. Not they to were be founded com- that year. Not to be confused with the Binghamtonics. Yeah. Or the uh, oh, Crosby's. Oh, we used to do mixers with the Binghamtonics. Yeah. Uh, Riff-offs? 
Oh riff man, riff-offs. Yeah, we would we would do a lot of things. No, I would. They just went to acapella. I was invited to be a founding member of the Rhythm Method, but I can't sing. So. No, I, no, Wait, I, oh, so I Okay, I assume because you play. No, I piano. could. I used to do choral. I could. I could uh, bridge out different chorale groups and and direct those things. But once oh, I got sick, I lost my ability to sing. Yeah. So now no one wants to hear me sing. And dance. And well, I, that I never. I'm a white guy. I never had that ever. Uh, I could I, do like the uh, the the tr- oh, what's the name? The, uh, I never really had that. I was good with dancing, but you know, I I I started getting like. I, I would second guess myself at these wedding gigs because they were like, do that, Michael Jackson. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, I don't really, <laughs> like, I, I don't really feel like doing it. Because <laughs> so I, I put my own style into it. I can't. No, yeah, everyone makes their own. They find their own voice. What? So what um, What changed then? I mean, I can very easily answer like why I, I thought differently about music. I wrote music differently. I mean, I was writing for symphony and all I oh, had yeah. when I was done with just a piano and yeah. a brain full of symphony what was it like for you to rethink singing and expressing yourself? Um, it comes from such a different place now. And I pay attention to my breathing and also just checking in with myself how I'm feeling. Um, trying not to complain. And I, the doctors would talk about stress. Any stress in your life, you got to just eliminate that as much as you can. And right. I've actually been doing a lot of that. And in turn, it, it makes me even more truthful with my music, which which is my goal always. It's just, I wanted to come from an honest place. And so going through this experience, I mean, waking up on my 30th birthday, getting all this brain tumor and, oh, radiation and maybe not so chemo, and then saying, oh, it's inconclusive. We're not even sure what kind of tumor. Right. So it was just a lot of, I was just so overwhelmed. I felt really frustrated. I I wanted a I wanted to get a burrito sausage burrito so bad. Like, <laughs> I'm like I don't want like what are you feeding me like all this stuff. But there was a lot of things at once. But um, the just writing I express when I'm feeling right. If if I don't even know how to to put it into right existence just by speaking. So well, because we're gonna write. we're gonna have you sing um, a new song of yours. So yes. tell us where where are you at creatively now? New album. I, I have my first album oh. coming out. So this single That's even better than a new album. Yes. So exciting. <laughs> my first one. So I was originally gonna have this song on the album, uh, but my very good friend Evan, Evan McCulloch, he wrote the song with me. And he's good. He's like that that voice that tells me, Oh, you know what? Uh this is my dis- you know, my opinion. Take it as you will and then I listen to it and I'm like, Wow, he's right. Which is awesome to have someone in the help because a lot of times I like having someone in my life that tells me that they're right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a in a like constructive, <laughs> constructive criticism type of way. <laughs> but um, you know, so this song, I it was the I wrote it the first night I was home from the hospital, and I just I remember I took a shower i was in my room I, i'm laying in the bed and just look up and i'm like what the fuck just happened like <laughs> what and you know it was just all of us you just hand to my recorder and i came up with stepping forward and it just the words just came out i just sang the whole thing and i sat down with evan like a week later and he wrote the guitar it just happened that is a really eerie it's story very eerie. because that is exactly what happened to me okay yeah 
I got back. I was I so I, I was in the hospital for a week. It's the longest I'd ever gone in ten years not playing piano. Ten full days without yeah. playing piano. I got home um, like the, that next morning, and I sat down at the piano for the very first time in a week. And I would say the very first time since I had my symptoms where I couldn't use my left hand, and I could play for the first time in eight yeah. months. I could play. I ha- I hadn't played. It felt I, so sweet. It felt yeah. great, but my yeah. my left hand wasn't as dexterous as it was because I wasn't, right. hadn't used it so well. But I wrote Simplicity, which is the first song on my album Scribblings that morning. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. And, you know, you asked how did it affect me. and Like with my writing, you just said simplicity. I kept yeah. it simple. Yeah. And uh, the way I wrote this record, I wanted to just pull from all the styles that I liked. There was one phase where I was writing like country, hip hop, rock, and there was a band leader I worked with. He was just like, "You got, you got to stick to one." And and I'm like, "It's music, though. I, I, <laughs> for me, it just I listen to everything. I truly right. do. I have like this. I I, I actually get into Dolly Parton's. We white, know what you're really white like. Limousine album. I love it. Oh no! <laughs> I used to sing this with my acapella group. You can actually find. <laughs> we used to rickroll the audience. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, also, when you're thinking about the type of music, if someone had to ask you, what do you sing? What do you produce? What do you create? It's nice to not be in a box that already exists. Oh, absolutely. And no one, I'm, I don't, I'm not a signed artist. This is all, I paid for the album on my own. I got to find the best producers to make this come together. Because we really did a, I, I wanted it to just be like this soundscape of all the styles that I like and just have it all flow and connect. And a lot of people notice that. Are you really you teasing know. the crowd now? We got to hear the song. We do. All right, so this is Stepping Forward. What's the name of the album? Uh, well, oh, uh, it's not on the album, It's right? not on it's the a album. Single. It's a single. Uh, you know, one thing that Evan said is like, this song stands alone. Like, I think you need an animal. Like, I thought of it. You know, it was one of those, should I do that? What's better? And, you know, he comes in and he really gives a, a good advice and we talk things out. Which makes him the best producer I work with. So, uh, so you yeah. ready? I am ready. You have yeah. to stretch. You got to gargle. You got to do something. Clear your throat. <laughs> yeah, I'm good. I'm good. All right, here Let's we go. This. Angel Ray, stepping forward. Stepping forward into the unknown. Don't know what's waiting on the other side How this happened Overcomes up this equation Don't add up, I can't imbibe Or even know How I should feel So I'm stepping forward Into the unknown don't know what's waiting on the other side Wish this was real life Oh, tell me I'm dreaming Stepping forward to the unknown don't know what's 
waiting on the other side They've got the questions, they've got the insights But there's nothing concrete for me to rely Oh, what is this world that I'm now living in Stepping forward into the unknown Don't know what's waiting on the other side It goes forever. It just goes forever. Well done. I cry every time I hear it. Every time. The man's got talent. It's amazing. Very nice. Very nice. What does it feel like to sing that in a tiny room with no windows in front of a bunch of cancer people? It just feels... (laughs) One of whom is crying. It feels right. And Thea, too. It just feels right. And... Um, as much as this is my baby, this is stupid cancer's baby, and I don't, I you know I I, I took it out of that album because what Evan said it's true it stands alone. There's just no, you know you put it I put it amongst my album which I'm very proud of and I love, and the flow and everything is so great. But with this it just takes you somewhere else, and so now that it's being released in this way, it just. And now singing it with you guys in here, I, I <sighs> roller coaster of emotions uh, going through me. I feel rightfully amazing. So. Rightfully and so. I'm so awesome. Yeah. And and you've christened the stupid cancer show because we've never had a live song on the uh, on, ta- right, on the podcast before. Live, we we've done plenty of pre-taped songs that we just hit the play button on. But yeah, that a a. Thank you, technology, for the microphones working <laughs> yeah. and all that. Well, but I tra- seriously, it was good. I, I tried to get Evan to come in here and play guitar live for you. That's, but uh, that would have been ideal. But you know, he he teaches a lot. He's he's doing right. his own uh, children's class, uh, Bumblebee Jamboree. Oh, <laughs> look, out, look out for that in Brooklyn. So. That's awesome. So how yeah. can how can people get stepping forward and talk about what stupid cancer means to you? That connection. Oh, well, and we have eleven seconds left. No, I'm have, kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> well, first off, you can get the single off of my website, uh, Angel Ray. That's R E Y of Light dot com. And so you go there. You can read up on my cancer story. Uh, it's under advocacy. You can contact me under that tab as well. Any you know. 
anything you'd like to say and share uh i would love to hear from anyone uh especially you know who have gone through what i've gone through and uh that's where stupid cancer really came in i, I met uh mad at this a, a neurological institute's brain summit basically and right. so he was talking about stupid cancer and i'm just sitting there like I'm like, what is going on? This is amazing. And like we met and, and we we just got along so well. And we insert the, geeking out. Oh, completely geeking out. Yeah. And like he was uh, friends with a, a very close group of uh, guys, the Crosbys. And, so, you know, so we just it, it's like I was an honorary cross, by the way, after I was sick <laughs> and I came back to school to graduate, they may be an honorary Crosby, oh, even though I couldn't sing. OK, yeah. But well, my best friend had music directed the band, the, the group for like four straight years. Well, I was in a semi-professional group with a lot of Ali. They were all alum from the Crosby's. Well, like we Dave, had a great time. Yeah, like uh, Dave Kern. We know Dave I, Kern. Yes, yes. And we know um, Dave Curry and yes. Geth. <laughs> I know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, all great, those guys. Yeah, great group of guys. And so it was awesome to compete with them. And and uh, we got to record one song. But, you know, every, you know I actually have the Crosby album, believe it or not. Oh, do you? I have. I'm the only one. I have the Crosby album. In oh, iTunes. man. Yeah. Nice. So you've done weddings. Have you done bar mitzvahs? I have. Oh, yes. <laughs> hey, you sing the horror? I don't think we've even done that arrangement. <laughs> I know we've done Simetov and Mazeltov. That's pretty good. Yeah. Yes, very nice. There was one where, like, you know, it was Urahim and so And the joke was just sing Uhakin, the basketball player, Uhakin, you know. That's actually they probably pretty accurate. Know. They, no, no, they never. Know. No. Why would they pick up on that? Yeah, that's pretty accurate, actually. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know the words in Hebrew. And that's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah. I remember taking the suit to a cleaner's and he's like, oh, you're singing Hebrew. Sing. And I'm like, I couldn't think about it. I'm like, I'm going to screw this up so bad because he just put me on the spot. Like his daughter was there and his wife. Very nice. Yeah. Very but nice. All right. all right. Well, I can't thank you enough for making I, our season 16 finale a huge hit. I'm very happy to be here and that this this uh, worked out. Thank no, you, it's, it's uh, yeah. And it, oh, by the way, Thea, thank you. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> this is an amazing moment in time. So we're super no, excited. No, it, it's a really it's a really big deal. And, and uh, I can't think of a way to sign off for the season. Um, and uh, I guess with that, any that's it. We done. I think we're done. And, and scene. Prepare to activate. Uh, I hear there's rumors on the uh, internets. You ever seen a grown man naked? And so, to all of you, a fond farewell. Hooray, I'm helping. You are a meathead. Oh, Magoo, you've done it again. That was so terrible, I think you gave me cancer. Okay, folks, that's our show. The 357th episode of the Stupid Cancer Show. We hope you we had, hope you had so much fun if you did. Poking a stick at uh, Stupid Cancer. You still don't know how to talk slowly. This uh, stupid I, cancer, stupid cancer, stupid cancer, stupid cancer. <laughs> I try to get it before the break. Ah. Uh, all right, this episode once again marks our season 16 finale. We'll be on hiatus for a few weeks through Labor Day, and the podcast will resume beginning Monday, September 14th. Like to once again thank our guests Amy Lee and Angel Ray. The Stupid Cancer Show is a production of Stupid Cancer, the largest charity comprehensively addressing young adult cancer online at stupidcancer.org. If you haven't already, visit stupidcancershow.org and never miss an episode by signing up for our newsletter and subscribing to the free podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, 
iHeart Radio, and Blog Talk Radio. Remember, folks, if it ain't stupid, it ain't cancer. Coming to you from the chemo deck. And on behalf of myself and my amazing crew here, Mallory Rivera, Kenny Kane, Sean Shapiro, Noel Wimmer, and special guest Thea Linscott, thanks for listening, and we'll see you back for season 17 of the Stupid Cancer Show. Take care, folks. Have a great summer. Too many soldiers are serving multiple tours, so...